One Shining Podcast is headed to North Carolina for a live show in Durham at the Carolina Theater before Carolina Duke play on Saturday. The show will be March 8th at 8 p.m. Tickets are available at carolinatheater.org as well as via the link in the episode description. Again, we will be live in Durham, North Carolina at the Carolina Theater of Durham on Friday, March 8th at 8 p.m. And you can get your tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, we are going to talk about the battle for the Pac-12 between Washington State and Arizona last night. That was a great game. Uh, Isaac Jones with some great moments and Jalen Wells sending a message and the Cougs sending a message to the rest of the country that they are the real deal. They sweep the Wildcats for the first time since 2009, 2010. So we'll talk about that. We got Eamon Brennan joining us. We're also going to talk about Joe Lenardi, the polarization of Joe Lenardi. He is everywhere and he is fighting the good fight. Also, we'll talk about some proper sportsmanship. Uh, Dan Hurley, handshake lines. Uh, Arizona fans throwing glow sticks, all that in between. And we'll also hit the future of Big Blue Nation. We got a fun show. We got a jam show. Um, we're going to have a, a good time with even trying to sift through what's happening in the world of college basketball. Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? I'm breaking out the color safe bleach because it's a whiteout in Queens this weekend, baby. <laughs> Let's go. But first, Woody Durham. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is Friday, February 23rd, and we are reeling because we just saw a Pac-12 After Dark showdown last night between the Wazoo Cougs taking on the Arizona Wildcats. And in shocking fashion, uh, the Wazoo Cougars lead the Pac-12 in the final year of the Pac-12. Let's start there, Eamon Brennan. Um, first off, did you stay up for this game? Because I know it's a very late game on the East Coast. No, I did not. I'm just going to be, I'm just gonna be <laughs> well, honest with you. I think that's how the rest of the, that, that's what happens with the Pac-12 in general, right? And I, I intended know the Mountain to. West. I yeah, had good right. intentions. But, <laughs> Every, yeah. Everybody had good intentions, but it was what, 11 o'clock out here on the West Coast. So, you know, you're talking to getting upwards to two in the morning on the East Coast. So uh, there is not many people out there that can stay up on a weeknight to keep up with this game. But in case you missed it, Wazoo 
weathers the storm in McHale. Uh, they came in, Arizona's fired up. They had already lost the game earlier in the season to Wazoo. Uh, last year, Wazoo goes down to McHale and gets a win. So they were on the heels of winning back-to-back games against Arizona. Everybody, including Vegas themselves, said the line should be an 11 and a half. Uh, this is going to be Arizona's game to win to cement themselves as the top team in the Pac-12. And Kyle Smith's team says not so fast. And it started with Jalen Wells, who had 13 points in the first half, making everything. Uh, Ruben Chiniello was also uh, first double-double of his career. If you don't know the name, you now know the name. He's a guy from Nigeria that is just trying to be a doctor and playing basketball as a means to become a doctor. Um, this Wazoo team is just feel, filled with the insane stories. Uh, and, and from there, I mean, Wazoo, 17-0, leading at the half. Now 18-0, they go up at halftime in this game. And every single time that Arizona made a run, uh, you know, had a fast break moment, had a highlight moment where you kind of felt like things were settling down. Wazoo just kept answering the bell. And um, this is a team, if you've not watched them, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of moxie. They have a really good head coach and they have a star in Miles Rice. And uh, he didn't even have to be really the star in this game because Isaac, a.k.a. Idaho Jones is what I'm calling him, not Indiana Jones, Idaho Jones. He was a big star in this game as well. And uh, when you have a double-double guy like that, things can go the right way. Uh, Caleb Love with two possessions late in this game. One, he gets blocked trying to uh, look for Umar Balo, uh, Isaac Jones with the big block down there. And then he has a travel late in this game. And then from there, it was game over. Um, that is the 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 roundabout way to get to the point of the whole conversation, which is how good is Wazoo? And like, what is the ceiling on this team? Because it's just been Arizona, Arizona. They're the one seed. They're the best team in the Pac-12. But right now, Wazoo's in sole possession of first. Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really good team. You you hit a lot of the, of the main points. I mean, I think... Um, we're seeing them play at a level that's like very much top 15, top 20 uh, of late. You know, I think they've been that good. Um, they've navigated some really tricky situations. Like, you know, the, the Pac-12 is not vintage, right? And the the really key win is obviously Arizona. Um, and they've beaten them twice. But they've, hit, you know, managed some tricky situations. Um, they completely hammered Utah in their own building. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beat Colorado, which is the other sort of, uh, you know, top 40-ish, top 50-ish team alongside Utah in terms of metrics and, and such. One at Oregon, which is a little tricky that Jim's a little dead these days, but it's still not easy to go up there and get out of um, get out of Oregon's uh, floor with a win. So yeah, they've been great. And I think um, it's it's been really nice to see like this outpouring of love for Kyle Smith because, um, you know, Washington State's been pretty good to, to almost very good since, almost since he got there. And you look mm-hmm. at where the program was before he was hired and you had Tony Bennett back in the, in the late aughts, who's just like, obviously like this guy is, is destined for greatness. He's, you know, Washington, he had Washington state as like a top 10 team mm-hmm. in his second season. It's like, okay, Making this sweet sixteens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like totally out, out of the, you know, and his dad was pretty good there too. Not amazing, but pretty good relative to program history. But then you go to Ken bone, decent, not amazing from 2010 to 2014. Um, I had a reader recently be like, wait, is that Ken Bone, the guy who was like in the presidential <laughs> debate? And I was like, yeah. two different guys, two different guys. Um, but but, but for college was... basketball's sake, we'll just say they're the same guy because it, exactly. it sounds better. It's a better story. Yeah, yeah, yeah it would be great. Uh, <laughs> random Wazoo basketball coach Ken Bone showed up at a presidential debate to ask a weird question. But uh, but then you go from him to Ernie Kent, which is just, you know, 2015 to 2019, the, the back half of last decade, just atrocious. They were mm-hmm. always so bad. Basically the worst team in the Pac-12 with the occasional exception of Utah. Um, just terrible. 
And Kyle Smith got there first year, six, 16 and 16 after Ernie Kent's last year when they won 11 games and went four and 14 in the league. Um, and then since then, they've been either a top 50 team or pretty close to it every season. Um, they've been on the cusp of getting into the NCAA tournament. They're, they've been kind of like, oh, do we need to take a look at Washington State? Oh, maybe not. But still, that's a really tough team, you know, for some other Pac-12 team that's trying to get in the tournament. And mm-hmm. now finally is the breakthrough. And and finally, sort of the hard work of getting this program, which is not a place traditionally that's very easy to win into top 25, top 30 discussions has been been really impressive. And this team, I mean, they were decimated. You know, last year's roster, I mean, you lose so much talent. There wasn't really much expectation for this group. I mean, I saw during Pac-12 Media Days, Kyle Smith was kind of asked about this team, and he said, I like how much they like each other. Um, And if you watched after this game, the celebration, one of their assistant coaches proposed to his his girlfriend, now his fiance. Uh, They were all celebrating that. Um, They just kind of have like this nice camaraderie as a group, and they have very defined roles, and they also have guys that can just go get you a basket. Jalen Wells, the perfect example in this game. I mean, it's 74 it's 71. Caleb Love just has a three-point play, and you're thinking to yourself, okay, that was the death blow. Game over. Great effort, Cougs. Uh, Arizona's going to win this game. And then Yakimovsky gets an incredible offensive rebound, finds Jalen Wells in the corner, just like on a like almost like a miracle kick out. Jalen Wells just said he just threw the ball up at the rim. And then he next time, next thing he knew, he had a guy laying on top of him. And then he heard one of his teammates go, Good shot, boy. And he gets up and you know, he has a four point play to take the lead 75 74. They never let the lead uh you know go away from there and they get the big win. But this whole game, it just felt like, okay, wow, okay, you know, Arizona's about to win, you know, great times, good run, game over. And they just kept fighting back. And that's kind of the spirit of this group in general. Miles Rice, um, you know, Matt Norlander wrote a great story about him. But just the fact that this kid, you know, you know, has cancer, has a medical redshirt year. Um, last time, last year around this time in March, we're like seeing, uh, you know, him ringing the bell saying he's cancer free. Cut to a year later, he's, you know, freshman of the year, four times over in the Pac-12 and one of the best players in the country. And they're a tall team. They have a lot of length. They're a bad matchup for anybody. And uh, the more belief that this group kind of gets, the more that you watch them and you start trying to forecast where they go into the tournament, there's a lot of people that don't want to see Washington State. You know what I mean? Like they don't want to see them as a seven, you know, seven seed or or a 10 seed, depending on how uh, it kind of shakes out. But I saw one DeCourcy's bracket had them playing Tony Bennett of Virginia as a 10 seed in the first round. And I'm like, Give me that matchup. You know what I mean? Like, give me, give me the 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 historical ties between those two programs. Give me Virginia's style versus this team's style. And let's see where the chips may fall. And then speaking of styles, when Arizona gets slowed like slowed down and the pace kind of settles into a game, I think we see a little bit who this team is, and there's a little bit of panic. Um, and as much as I love Caleb Love, uh, there is we know the 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 dark side of the Caleb Love experience, and I think in this game we saw that on these last two possessions. But when things get slowed down and they have to make decisions in the half court, Arizona does not look like the juggernaut that they do when they're scoring 105 points against Arizona State, and they're getting you know points in transition and they're turning the ball over and things like that um so that that was the other part of this game too where as much as it was a celebration of wazoo confirming how good they are as a team and the ceiling that it could be it did kind of take away and make you worry about arizona being who we saw last year against princeton when the game slows down and they have to execute in the half court 
they can get sloppy very quickly. And, and I'm not sure this team is going to be able to shake that same stigma. Do, do you feel that way about Arizona? Or do you think that this team is a better version than we saw last year? No, I mean, I think, I think they're better defensively than last year, which has been a big part of their success. I do agree with you that um, if the game isn't flowing and they are, they aren't able to play that um, sort of, you know, Gonzaga style, open, flowing offense, get up and down the floor really quickly, quick actions, quick ball screen stuff. If that gets bogged down a little bit, then yeah, they're, they're, they're sort of um, have, you know, more sta- you know, standard, stagnant, I guess, half court offense is not maybe quite as effective. I'd have to look into the numbers on that too, but, but that feels right. I think one thing that's really interesting, um, I'm going to give a shout out to Kai from Three Man Weave who had this uh, bookmarked for, for our chat, but um, tweeted that, uh, in Arizona's six losses, uh, Caleb Love is averaging 20 field goal attempts per game. In their 20 wins, he's averaging 13 field goal attempts a game. Mm-hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense, right? Is like when when you get into a place where you're like, uh, Caleb, do something, that's not going to work super well for Arizona. But when you when he's a well-integrated part of the larger whole, then he can be a really effective player, and, and Arizona looks a lot more effective as a result. And it was the same issue last year with Carolina. It felt like when they weren't able to get, you know, offense initiated, they kind of had like this grenade theory is what I call it, where they're just like, hey, Caleb, like here's the ball at the end of the shot clock. Just take a hero shot and let's hope it goes in like it did against Duke in the 2022 Final Four game, right? I mean, that it just felt like it was chasing that same hero shot to like kind of win the game. And last night, Arizona had that same sort of feel with their group where they swing the ball around the perimeter. There's nothing there because Wazoo's good defensively. They have a lot of length. It's not going to be easy shots and then they say hey Caleb you you figure this out just jack up a three when Caleb's driving the basket um, and he's downhill he's a really really good basketball player and he is such a threat when Caleb is settling for that step back three and settling just to put up a shot at the end of the shot clock that is exactly what you want he's playing into your hands and he played hero ball the first time when they played in Pullman um, and he was really the only quote-unquote bright spot in that game but you know Boswell was basically MIA in the first matchup last night he had a little bit of life but for the most part was MIA and and when that's the case this Arizona team is is not the number one seed that I think uh, a lot of people suspect them to be uh, one more note for Wazoo Wazoo's won eight straight conference games for the first time since 1946 47 um World War II times <laughs> I, I just I saw that note and I just uh, had to do a double take on that because uh, that is how shocking um it is and then for for the larger kind of narrative of the Pac-12, the Pac-2, um, it is pretty cool to see one of the teams that kind of got left in the dust now lead that conference. And you even got UW people like Brock Heward, you know, big UW guy coming out just being like, I'm happy for the Cougs. So uh, as much animosity as between those two programs, and obviously you have the Apple Cup to kind of battle it out, and there's usually not m- much nice words. They don't mince words between each other. Even the the Washington fans are coming out to be like, wow, credit to the Cougs, credit to Kyle Smith. So uh, shout out to them. And then one last quote uh, from this game, Jalen Wells, who was kind of the star of the, of the night for the Cougs, he said, quote, people were saying, you guys got to go play Arizona. Now they got to play us. Uh, and, I, and I think that was a, a nice kind of capper on, you know, what this team is. And if you look at the schedule, 
the schedule breaks for the Cougs their last four games. Um, Arizona still got some tough games ahead. They have to go on the road to Los Angeles to take on UCLA, who's one of the hottest teams in the Pac-12, and USC, who, you know, maybe if they see a team that's in the top five, they show a little bit of life with the talent that they have in the building. So um, it, it is breaking nicely for the Cougs to win the Pac-12. I'm going to knock on wood as I say that, but uh, it, it is one of the best stories in college basketball, and um, it's good when the when the underdogs in the world of NIL and all this tampering that's going on, a, a team that got completely poached uh, both by the NBA and other top programs is now leading the Pac-12, a power conference. So we love to see that. Um, let's talk about some sportsmanship and some etiquette, Eamon, because I, I was texting you about this. There is a lot going on right now about, uh, you know, how to behave. And it kind of started with Dan Hurley after the Creighton game. We saw the handshake line, the, the brawl in the handshake line. That was another example. Um, we saw in the Alabama game, a replay rev- review, you know, with an elbow that comes down and now we have a one game suspension. Um, so just in general, I'm going to start with Dan Hurley. So, uh, there was a, a clip that came out of Dan Hurley walking out after the Creighton loss. And all we saw was him saying, quote, I'll knock you out. And, uh, immediately as, as people tend to do on X or Twitter or whatever you call it, the reaction was suspend this guy. He's a maniac. He doesn't know how to act. Yada, yada, yada. Um, a couple hours later, a full clip comes out with the context and Dan Hurley said to a fan, quote, if you reach over here, I'll knock you out. Um, in reference to his players walking through the tunnel, he was saying, if you reach over, I personally will knock you out a little bit more context there. But, uh, just from a, a sportsmanship etiquette, quote unquote, the classy way to act. We hear that a lot in college basketball from different programs. Um, what were your thoughts on Dan Hurley saying, I will knock you out to a fan. Is this just old biggies fodder or is it taking it a step too far um like where, where do we stand on like how how is a coach supposed to act as they walk out of an arena because i've seen a lot of think pieces on uh, what he's supposed to do and what we're all supposed to do yeah i mean i think i don't know i, I this did not bother me um right if any if anything i was almost more annoyed by the sort of cloying way that the the clip was framed initially of like, you know, Creighton fans being like, this is just a disgrace. Like we can't <laughs> right. have this in the game. You right. know? And it's just like, all right, come on. like all this stuff is just weaponized for like fan banter, as opposed to like anybody actually having a good faith concern about whether this grown man just telling a college kid a fan or whatever, uh, whether this is appropriate. I, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I think, you know, it's a classic sort of like, Fans say a lot of wild stuff to coaches and players during a game. I mean, I don't know if you saw the, the clip recently of, of you know, Kevin Durant running out for warmups and, yeah, and a right. woman calls him a you know, calls him the B word, <laughs> and he comes back over to kind of be like, "Hey, what what are you what are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, you know, dap me up, Kevin, whatever." And he's like, "No, I'm not going to do that." And <laughs> and that that fourth wall for people when it gets broken, people get really like shocked about it. But but absent like you know going into the stands, our test style. Um, I tend not to have a huge problem with coaches and players talking to each other or to fans, you know, particularly during a game. Like there was a, I think it was Illinois, Michigan State, where, um, you know, Coleman Hawkins or somebody got teed up for for chirping at a fan after he made a three. And it was just like, well, this is fine. Like we got to let this, some of this stuff lie. Um, yeah, we, I, we saw, it we saw, saw that in up. the Rutgers uh, Purdue game as well. Um, yeah. Just like literally one comment, and Robbie Hummel was like, "If if that was the case, I would have had 15 technicals a game." You know, yeah, what I mean? you're like supposed it. to be able to <laughs> talk to fans as part of the whole atmosphere, um, and vice versa. Uh, I don't know; it didn't bug me too much. I, and and I think 
when you place it in context with with Hurley, um, I feel like he tends to disassociate from his own body when he's coaching a basketball game. And then once <laughs> right. he gets, you know, once he, he goes and cools off, he comes to the podium and he talks like a totally normal and reasonable human being. But when he's on the court, I mean, you could just watch him coach. He's he's um he's adrift in his own consciousness or something. So it's not uh not totally surprising, but also didn't really offend me. Yeah, I think Creighton fans were just like already on the high of beating UConn. And there's already a caricature of who Dan Hurley is. And we all know that he's a maniac. So when you see um, just a, a clip of him saying, I'll knock you out, you immediately think, oh, my God, Dan Hurley is threatening uh, our, Cl- our Creighton Blue Jay fans here. And <laughs> I mean, I guess at some level he was, but it was under the guise of protecting his players. So yeah. uh, anytime it's it's in that context, the coach is going to kind of get the safe and A-OK. But he put out a video, uh, Dan Hurley did it, if you watch Game of Thrones, where uh, he is basically doing the shame walk uh, through the city, through the town square with him, like his face photoshopped, like in the old Grantland style. So um, I think if Villanova, if there's one thing I know, Dan Hurley thinks that he took the Iron Throne when he killed Villanova. It was that RJ Cole game from a, a couple years ago and he like gets ejected from the game and he, and he told the crowd to like turn up. I, I feel like every time that Dan Hurley plays Villanova, he thinks that's like a referendum on the program of UConn and why they're number one in the Big East. So this weekend, um, we will get a Dan Hurley show and um, he might actually knock somebody out um, with with how excited he's going to be. So um, keep an eye on that. But uh, Dan Hurley, you're safe in our book uh, as far as this incident itself. Let's talk about handshake lines. Now we have, uh, there's a lot of like the Seth Davises of the world, um, kind of the old guard of uh, college basketball conversations. They see the brawl and the handshake line and they immediately go and they say, ban the handshake line, uh, get rid of it. It's unnecessary in basketball, yada, yada, yada. And there's kind of two schools of thought here. My my first school of thought is in a world of tampering where we saw like Arizona plays Creighton last year in the Maui Invitational, some people think that there was some Nimhard, uh, you know what I mean, conversations that were happening there. And Nimhard almost went to Arizona, ends up going to Gonzaga. Um, in a world of tampering, I can see getting rid of the handshake lines. But from the sportsmanship aspect, I do think it is kind of like a nice check of the box to be like, OK, we can compete on the court and then we can separate the the game from the reality of the situation. Um, are you anti handshake lines? Did this did this move the needle for you in any way? Or are you still standing in the camp of like, let's shake hands after a game? No, I completely think you need to shake hands after a game. I think it's <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I'm I don't want to be. um super moralistic about it or like Teddy Roosevelt and like sports uplifts the young men of our country or whatever, but like playing sports competitively growing up at a reasonable level, it is a useful habit to get people to think about the fact that like this stuff is not that important and, and Mm -hmm. you play extremely hard and you say lots of stuff that you wouldn't say outside of the game to back and forth. And then at the end of the game, uh, everybody acknowledges that everyone played hard and, and did a good job and you move on. Like there's a camaraderie among competitors that I think is honestly kind of important. And once that's that sort of stuff breaks down, then you're just throwing people at each other for 40 minutes a night and without a, a sort of collective understanding of what makes the the whole thing operate. Like, I, I don't know. I just beyond like think of the children stuff. I just think <laughs> most people should and and do regularly like take a deep breath after the game is over shake hands and then go back to their locker room and i i don't think that you know the occasional um fight which can happen just as easily during a game anyway um you see it more often during the game than you do in handshake lines like 
the idea that, you know, and I like really like Seth, he's a friend and I think he, he is right about a lot of stuff with college basketball, but, um, I disagree with him here. I just think like, you know, let, let people shake hands and the, the occasional, um, brawl is not a reason to, to stop what I think is honestly kind of a, kind of a good thing for, for kids like growing up playing sports. Like we need, I think we need stuff like that instead of everybody's parents just screaming at each other. Right. I think it sets a good example for everybody. And uh, I don't think bad actors should, should make it, uh, you know, a good faith situation change. Um, And at the end of the day, uh, it doesn't have to be a, a big referendum on the sport or like, you know, we don't have to make some wholesale change because of something like this. I mean, you hate to see something like this happen, but, uh, I I, uh, I just don't feel like it needs to be that far of a reaction the other way. Uh, th- we, we talked about the Alabama elbow. Um, this was something that was reviewed after the game. Um, and then the SEC suspends him for one game. Um, or how do we feel about like going back and, and doing a suspension like based on a review, basically from a, a clip that got circulated on Twitter is how it got to the SEC office by all accounts. And then they made a decision on that. Like, is this good because we're getting it right? Is it bad because like it's it's so far gone um, and now it's impacting Alabama season? Like where where do we stand? Because I see Alabama fans are upset about this because they think that the clip on Twitter looks a whole lot worse than than what actually happened in live gameplay. I mean, you can argue that either way. It didn't look good regardless, but uh, now you have a guy suspended for a game. Yeah, I mean, I think you would want to draw a pretty careful line with taking anything from the internet. Um, <laughs> right. But presumably that clip is is also from the broadcast, right? It's mm-hmm. not just like, um, you know, so I think, you, yeah, you don't want league offices just like scouring, what, you know, what's trending among opposing fans on Twitter and then making retroactive decisions on it. But in this instance, I do think generally speaking, like, if the refs miss a live action foul, that's a flagrant that's particularly egregious, which I think this was like guy's got his head down. He's facing the court and the Alabama kid absolutely slams the back of his neck with his, his elbow, like pretty hard. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you know what you're doing. It's not. It, it was looking at him as he did it. I mean, at yeah, least it, 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 like how the clip looks. Right. It wasn't remotely like, oh, you know, someone threw their elbow out up high by their shoulder. Uh, and didn't see a person behind them and like it's borderline like did he know they were there or not it's like no that this is pretty obvious what was going on so i think in this instance it makes sense and probably there's a an invisible line somewhere where um you would prefer to have it caught in live action failing that you know maybe a team submits a clip or whatever but you know it's just a clip from the broadcast and i think it's probably worth going back and punishing the kid because that's pretty ugly stuff and you should get suspended for a game for that And I think it comes down to also, I like when the conferences are the ones that are doing this instead of the NCAA. I feel like the conferences actually know what's happening in their conference, knows how to deal with the teams, knows how to actually put out punishments that fit the crime itself. So um, the SEC was on top of it and and they handle it, I think, in the right way. And then one last sportsmanship etiquette moment that I forgot to mention in the Arizona game. The fans were throwing glow sticks at Kyle Smith. They had to stop the game for a second and uh, the officials were deciding if they were going to give a technical to the crowd. um, you know, I, I thought that was a, another example of like, we're always trying to find where the line is, you know, and it's obviously a very fine line in sports, like how much impact the, the crowd can have on a game. And you you talk to any coach, they're like, we need our, our fans in there being loud, being proud, being this, being that. Uh, but I think throwing glow sticks at the opposing coach <laughs> might be where the line is. So uh, uh, Too luckily far. there will. 
Yeah, well, luckily there was no technical there, but uh, I, I forgot to mention that. So Kyle Smith, he seemed to take it in stride. Uh, you know, he, he seems like a pretty gregarious, like kind of fun-loving, affable dude. So he didn't really seem too bothered by it. But um, I think there are some coaches that if, like, if you threw a glow stick at Rick Pitino um, or even Richard Pitino, I don't think it would be as fun of a, as an experience as it is with Kyle Smith. So just, just a heads up there for all the Arizona fans. Um, let's talk about another polarizing character in college basketball. He is everywhere, and he is in a war right now at the ACC. Um, it feels very Fox News uh, when I say that, the war on the ACC, but that, that is how it is being framed. But Joe Joe Lenardi's polarization is at an all-time high. Steve Forbes went on ACC Network um, and basically told Joe Lenardi to stay in his lane because uh, Joe Lenardi was talking about how the ACC needs to recruit better players. Steve Forbes says he's never seen Joe Lenardi at a recruiting event, so he doesn't know what he's talking about or if he has any say to be talking about this. Um, Joe Lenardi has cut into the live action of Wake Forest's past three games to do a full split screen <laughs> oh, where he explains to Wake Forest fans why it does not matter. Um, uh, he said when they were playing Pitt, he said no margin matters. They will stay the same. Um, and then he said later about Gonzaga, Gonzaga has to win by a lot to stay ahead of Wake. So the Martin, so Wake Forest fans are obviously upset about the contradiction there. Um, I just want to say before we, and then Joe Lenardi puts out his, his report and he says, uh, Wake Forest is quote, very cranky. Um, I just want to say <laughs> Wake Forest people are very smart. They, they really are. They, they are very smart people. And so when someone is trying to, I think, educate them in their mind, they they take even more umbrage to the fact that someone's trying to like speak down to them almost. And that is how they're taking the Joe Lenardi situation. And it's all bracketology, which is all kind of like guesswork anyway, estimating and, and trying to put, um, you know, what you expect based on uh, outcomes. But regardless, this has become a war. Wake Forest versus Joe Lenardi. How much are you witnessing this war? How much are you trying to stay out of uh, the, the discourse with this? And what are your thoughts on Joe Lenardi becoming kind of the face of the bubble? I mean, people are turning on him uh, like I've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's... I, I was thinking about writing this, um, writing about this soon uh, because I've seen a lot of this stuff. We've talked about it before. I see. I feel like I see like the, the Twitter algorithm serves me a lot of this stuff of like really disaffected ACC fans quoting stats from, you know, November and December about Big 12 teams and their non-conference records versus ACC teams and uh, the Big 12 game to the numbers. I saw someone today say that that Lenardi is part of ESPN's plot to destroy the <laughs> ACC. Like they and they mean it. They're being serious. This isn't like <laughs> joking, right? These are people that are out there that I, that think like the ACC is under siege. Um, from a you know from essentially Disney, the corporation, yeah. um, because of you know whatever conference realignment, <laughs> and Joe is just one more instrument in this in this long war of attrition, right? Against He's the one proud conference. That's what they, that's, that's what they think. <laughs> and the thing about Joe is that he is to the best of his ability, and you know you everybody. There's a million bracketologists now, and people track it on the bra bracket matrix, and so you know everybody has their own results at the end of the year or whatever, but um. Joe has been doing this a long time. He basically invented it. He is uh, an extremely nice man who doesn't mind poking the bear a little bit in this process of like when he's getting a ton of people replying to him on Twitter, calling him, you know, corrupt or, or whatever. <laughs> he is happy to then sneak a little like, oh, Wake Forest fans are cranky in his next, you know, um, bracket sheet for the night or whatever and get a little chuckle at the responses that he's getting. But I hate to say this, 
I think he's pretty much right about Wake Forest. They, they are, I have been singing Wake Forest praises all year and to you as well. And I think they're a really talented team. They are one in five against quadrant one teams. Their only quadrant one win is at home against Florida. Yes, they beat Virginia. Yes, they beat Virginia Tech. Um, one of those is a tournament team right now. The other is not. Um, all year, we've been waiting for Wake Forest to really have that signature win, right? Big win, really show your talent. Um, and they've been close. You know, they played relatively well at Duke, still lost by by eight there. Um, had, a, had a neutral court chance against Utah early in the year. That would be a, a pretty decent win over a tournament tournament-ish team right now. I think Utah's eventually going to get in, though it's a little dicey. Had a chance at Virginia on the road, lost 49-47. That's the kind of game you got to win if you want to be securely in the tournament. And so, um, you know, Joe saying, like, the, the ACC needs to recruit better players is him just, like, you know, having a laugh at, at some of the stuff he's been getting back. But I think the ACC's overall bubble picture is is fair and reflective and um wake forest is a frustrating one because i think that's a really good team but everyone you know everyone complains about metrics this metrics that metrics this wake forest had great metrics they just have not won meaningful games at the level that you need to to be certainly in the tournament at this stage and that's what it's supposed to be all about and if the opposite were true if wake forest had five quadrant one wins but they're you know their net number was 60 or whatever acc fans would be complaining about that too um, so I don't think that it's Joe Lenardi's fault. And I think he catches a lot of abuse for being the messenger of what, honestly, I think the committee would probably make of Wake Forest right now as well. And I think there's a lot of bracketologists. And I think the more that the Wake Forest fans uh, kind of fan the flame and go at Joe Lenardi, like you're making him stronger. And I think I learned this <laughs> last year uh, dealing with the whole bubble boy uh, quad one. I mean, I, I North Carolina had the same fight last year. You know what I mean? Where it's like every game that you win seemingly does not matter. Every game you lose seemingly is the end of the end of the year, end of the program, end of the run. Um, and I think Wake Forest has been dealing that. And when you're so on edge for every game and every result matters. And and Steve Forbes is talking about how he's not even putting in his walk-ons because he's trying to to help the scoring margins for the net. And then you look at Kim Palm and they're number 20 on Kim Palm. And, you know, you have all these people come out and say that no team that's been 35 or better has missed the tournament, you know, since Kim Palm's, you know, and then Wake Forest fans are like, look at this. See, like, what, why, why are you doing this to me? Why, why are you putting such a burden on me? I think they're going to get in the tournament. Um, I think we're not at the end of the season. Just beat Duke on Saturday, and, yeah. and it, it absolves all of all of these conversations, and then you're done with it. Uh, I think, the if, one yeah. That, I was going to say, right. sorry to cut across you. I think no, if they good. beat Duke on Saturday, they'll get in, like, fairly easily. Sure fire, right. Yeah, yeah. like, and, and you know, and I think, I, was, I just pulled it up while you were talking there to, to make sure I wasn't an outlier on this. You know, there are however many brackets at the ba- bracket matrix. Uh, let's see, 105. Yeah, I was going to say over 100, right? Wake, Wake is currently in 16 of them. Okay, so like Joe is not an outlier here. As much as he might, as much as he might uh, annoy you by cutting into the broadcast and telling you that nothing that's happening in front of you is actually going to make a difference in his bracket <laughs> later that night. <laughs> that's the one thing I think he's got to stop. He's got, <laughs> they got to stop that. That, that is <laughs> like, that is just like the meanest thing you can do as you watch your team is to listen to Joe Lenardi tell you your team sucks. Like nobody yeah. wants to hear that. No. And, <laughs> and it's at that I can understand that being frustrating. Um, but what he, the, the content of what he's saying is, is essentially the consensus right now. Right. And it's up to wake to change that. Not anybody else. 
Like they need wins. They haven't gotten the wins they need all year long, despite being, I think, a really talented and and clearly skilled team that the metrics like as well to beat somebody good and Mm -hmm. start start doing it on Saturday. Yeah, start with Duke. Uh, that that is the message for Wake Forest. Hopefully, they can handle that. One last thing, even before I let you go, I want to talk about Blue, Big Blue Nation, uh, BBN, as they're uh, more prone to be discussed. As uh, John Calipari is on a yo-yo right now, uh, it is up, it is down. He beats Auburn at the Jungle. He does like a victory lap afterwards. He has his long press conference. You know, he basically says message to the haters: um, "You guys don't get it." And uh, he's going to Indianapolis to see his seven All Stars, the most of any team ever breaking his own record that he had prior. Um, He just basically does a victory lap. Then they go to LSU. Um, Things do not go according to plan. LSU wins uh, on a last second, like heave towards the basket that kind of turns into like the perfect little alley-oop play. Um, And he calls it a 50-50 ball that does not go their way and then basically leaves the press conference when reporters still have their hands up to ask questions. So the opposite of what we saw on Saturday um, there is in his contract an out for this year. John Calipari can become a special assistant to the athletic director, get paid his base salary uh, plus five hundred fifty thousand, so about nine hundred fifty thousand dollars a year until the end of his contract in twenty twenty eight, twenty twenty nine. He could also take another job uh, with zero buyout, so it would be easy for him to go somewhere else. The future seems a little cloudy in Kentucky right now, just as far as what the base is saying, what the future looks like, how long the contract is. Uh, If they don't fire him without cause, it's about $33 million. So I don't think Kentucky wants to be a part of that. That's a lot of money for anybody. Um, Do we think this is the last year of Calipari? Because if it is, I feel like I need to be like soaking in the moment anymore. But for whatever reason, I haven't gotten to the point where I think it's it's that, you know, um, dire of a situation. But if you talk to some of the Kentucky people in my life, they say it's basically already over. So so what say you like what is the future of Big Blue Nation and like where do we stand on the Calipari experience right now? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think, honestly, this is not the way most programs should conduct their business. Um, mm-hmm. And I think most don't. And I honestly think most fans don't. But I think it'll come down to what happens in March. Like, if you're running a program, that should not be the way you do it. You should not hire a coach based on two weekends in March. You should not hire, you should not fire a coach based on that. Um, you should look at the regular season and the large sample size and the momentum of the program and all this stuff, right? But Kentucky is the kind of place that very much focuses on March success as well as the underlyings of your sort of performance across the season. So, you know, 2022, um, they're, you know, top five, top six team all year. They've got the player of the year in Oscar Sheeway, their number two seed. Great season, right? Back, mm-hmm. back where Kentucky needs to be. They lose in the first round of St. Peter's and all of a sudden it wipes all of the sort of, you know, redemption of that season away. And now Calipari, he doesn't get any credit for that season. Kentucky, <laughs> right. fans, Kentucky fans don't care that they were pretty good that, that they were good that year. Like they right. could not, they, they do not want to hear that, right? Mm-hmm. You lost to St. Peter's in the first round, GTFO. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, and they hate Sheboy now. Like they, they turned on Sheboy. I mean, they were just like, yeah. get this guy. Out of here. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think he played much worse the year he came back and was particularly bad defensively in that caused a lot of Kentucky fans frustrations because they're it's a smart group of fans and they can tell if a guy can't guard a ball screen and they get frustrated when it's constantly exploited over and over. Yeah. Um, or can't pass go, out of a double team. Right. I mean, that, that exactly. was the other part. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, but like you go back and this was, you know, th- this was the reverse for Kentucky too. They had, uh, you know, 2013, the year after they won the title, they went to the NIT, got beat by Robert Morris in, in Calipari's hometown. 
in Pennsylvania. Um, and then the following year, struggled all year, were an eight seed, ended up being the national runners up. And Kentucky fans won't like they don't remember that that Julius Randle team <laughs> somehow ended up being an eight seed. Mm-hmm. They just remember they went to the national title game and 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 nearly beat UConn. And then the following season brought a bunch of guys back and and nearly went 40 and 0. So um it's worked both ways throughout his career where when they've had down seasons, but they still end up being good and getting deep into the tournament, elite eights, sweet sixteens, final fours. Kentucky fans have been willing to overlook maybe some of the underlying problems of the season that preceded it. So I think if the, you know that would be the case here. It's another young team. It's a team with flaws. We saw some much better defense post the Gonzaga the Gonzaga game, which was atrocious defensively. Yeah. Um, and I think if that you know the LSU game wasn't horrible in that regard, it wasn't great. If that momentum kind of moves in that direction that that they've been the last couple of weeks, and they can play some just average defense in the tournament, and and that offense continues to cook the way it has pretty much all year, they'll be fine. But they have guys who don't guard particularly well, like Rob Dillingham, who need to be on the floor for their offensive ability. So it's a tricky challenge, and and I think a lot of, of the perception of the season will just come down to how deep they make it into March. Yeah, and Rob Dillingham, basically, like you said, he has to outscore his matchup on the court for it to make sense for him to be out there, but they also need him because he's kind of the one guy that's like got that alpha mentality to go get a basket when they need it. I mean, Reeves, you would hope, would be that guy. He kind of fluctuates between those two things. Reed Shepard really isn't that guy. He's more of a facilitator. In fact, when they ask him to score, it almost looks like it, it stresses him out even more, even though he can score. He has the ability to do it. So um, they, they're fascinating. I feel like a lot of people are going to be watching this team, um, you know, as closely as maybe they've had in a long time. And there will be coaches that are watching, you know, the situation there to figure out what Calipari is going to do. Um, I think he will be the head coach moving into the offseason. I think he'll be back. I think he I think he'll be at the NBA draft representing Big Blue Nation, talking about his three billion dollars in NBA contracts. And we're going to be on the same sort of uh, you know, runaround that we've seen before. But it, it is wild to me to see how much um they've kind of, uh, you know, become the the conversation of like disaster zone. And it doesn't feel like that's the case, especially when you watch this team. They lead the country in three-point percentage. They they can score with the best of them. They're one of the best offensive teams in the country. You can definitely, in your mind, envision a path where they make a run in March to a Final Four like 2014 or whatever it is. And you say, of course, they, they, they have the talent and they decided to lock in on the defensive end and, and look where they are. That's classic Calipari. So, um, Kentucky fans, I just think take a breather, uh, take a breath, take a beat, calm down, um, and, and and we'll see where we go. Uh, but Big Blue Nation, we're thinking of you. We're thinking about the future of Big Blue Nation. Um, quickly, Indiana, uh, I just wanted to ask you, obviously you're an Indiana guy. Like uh, I, I feel like Indiana and Kentucky are kind of the Spider-Man meme right now with their frustrations with their programs. A little bit different, obviously, with the, the, the tenor of the coaches and the success there, but um, Mike Woodson, I refuse to believe he's on the hot seat. I think people understand this roster is just not quite there. They don't have a point guard, but is it getting hot? Like, is it is it getting a little concerning for Mike Woodson right now? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I think whether there whether that's true of uh, Indiana's athletics administration, I I don't know. I don't think so. Um, from everything you hear, but um, you know, fans are pretty angry. And, uh, you know, you lose at home to Northwestern and Nebraska back-to-back games. Like, both of those teams are pretty good this year. So it's not like a classic scenario of Indiana losing to Northwestern and Nebraska. But still, people don't. Yeah, losing to Northwestern three years in a row at home. 
No, that's that that to me is like the the sign where I can understand where you know the the typical Hoosier is like this is not this is not it Un- this is not who we are right yeah it's unacceptable right. um and I think the last three games particularly like don't have any of the edge that you saw from them early in the season when it looked like they felt like they could accomplish something you're seeing guys kind of going through the motions a little bit certain guys trying to overcome that like I think Trey Galloway is trying to overcome that by playing harder um and you can <laughs> kind of see Galloway. you yeah. can see him kind of straining against it you know what i mean like you can see mm-hmm. him kind of overdoing it sometimes um but yeah it's it's a bad situation and i think because it's year 3 and because so much of their success last year and the year before had to do with Trace Jackson Davis who's one of the best players in program history um there are a lot of doubts there now about how real that was and um i think a lot of it will depend on what next year's roster looks like or, or you know, in terms of fan enthusiasm. But if they run it back next year and get similar sort of very average to to below average results, then it'll be a no-brainer by then. But there, I think there are a lot of people right now who are already kind of ready to pull the trigger. Yeah, I feel like the TJD factor is a big factor. And I think that's what everyone is kind of coming back to, especially if you watch him. Like last night, I think he ended up having like 20-some points for the Warriors and their win against the Lakers. So if you're an Indiana fan, you're like, this guy was so good. He was an NBA player for us. And, you know, Woody basically just convinced him to stay in college. And that helped Woody get off to a good start. But now we don't have him. We don't have an NBA-like player. Mbako kind of fell into your lap. He doesn't really fit well. Renew, I guess, is the best player. But also he has, like, he needs a point guard to get in the ball in the right spot. So he has, like, this fluctuation where injuries, sometimes he's great shooting the ball, sometimes he's not. I mean, there's just this whole team, like you can see when it all comes together, the puzzle, when it fits, you're like, okay, I, I can see it. It makes sense. This is a good front court. Um, but otherwise, uh, just just with the the point guard play, it's just not quite there. So I understand the frustration for the Hoosiers and uh, Dusty May right now is when you buy the dip. I think this is uh, Dusty May is not as hot as he once was, you know what I mean, out there. And and he does have IU ties. And I know that they've talked themselves into it. So uh, maybe maybe they kick the can on that situation in the next 18 months. But it is it is always fascinating when Indiana and Kentucky are in the conversation about where they are, you know, in the future as a program and what the future looks like. Is Scott Drew going to go to Kentucky? Is Dusty May going to go to Indiana? We all love these like uh, conversations in the sport because we love talking about coaches and the programs and things like that. The X existential crisis of it all of it all even where can we find all of your work and uh, appreciate you coming on the show man yeah man um hoop stuff as ever at emanbrennan.com and um yeah people can follow on there it's been a really good month for the newsletter and it's been exciting to have people kind of discovering it getting into the swing of hoop season here so yeah all good. it's the best time of year everybody starts yeah. reaching out to all the college basketball people uh in their lives and start asking them questions and then if you tell them like you like arizona and they see them lose they're like i thought you said you liked them uh <laughs> or you tell me you like uconn and they lost the crate they're like what you said uconn was great um the best of times uh you know we enjoy it uh even you're the best thanks for coming to the show we'll have you back as we get into march and uh, i appreciate you coming on as always man thanks for having me take care College basketball season is heating up, and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the action. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 bet wins. That's $150 extra bucks to bet anything from point spreads to money lines to who's going to win it all. And if you believe that UConn is going to win it all, even though the Creighton game kind of maybe changed your tone a little bit, 
I still think UConn is a heavy favorite. So if you want to take the bet, the futures are there. They are still plus money. You can take the Huskies. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join than now. The app is easy to use. And when you win, you'll get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com slash OSP and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 or older and president select states. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinker.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was... A kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. There you have it, Eamon Brennan, one of the best. I just love peppering him with questions, uh, especially about etiquette and sportsmanship in the game of college basketball, a game that we love so dearly. And a game that is getting treatment at the highest level, Kyle, in case you missed it on ESPN, Outside the Lines aired a segment last Sunday uh, about Rick Pitino's press conference or Monday about Rick Pitino's press conference on Sunday. Uh, PTI two days later, the second topic of the show is Rick Pitino, which reminded us all you can't spell PTI without Pitino. Um, no matter what people want to say about Rick Pitino and how he doesn't matter and how they're not going to make the tournament and yada, 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 the man gets the attention, he gets the headlines, and he gets the eyeballs on the game. So everybody wants to to get up in arms about what he said. Uh, he is the man. He is the, he is the white knight that we need. And Rick Pitino, in case you missed it, on Sunday against Creighton in MSG, he will be bringing out his Batman suit, a.k.a. the all-white suit. Yes. It is a whiteout <laughs> against God Creighton damn. in Madison Square Garden. So uh, just when you thought Rick Pitino was done with the year and he was checked out, he apologized to his team. Um, he course-corrected by saying that Nikola Jokic, the best player in the world, is also slow laterally. Um, so <laughs> So he just wanted to make sure that his players know that, uh, you know, he he's not picking and choosing who's slow laterally. He's just being honest. So Can I read you the that. quotes from his apology? <laughs> yeah, please. Yeah, I got a couple things, a couple highlights. He said, I mean, this was after uh, they won uh, versus Georgetown. He's and his post game. He said, I immediately went to the team and told them, I absolutely love you guys. I would never, ever want to embarrass you. But it's my bad. I'm at fault. I should have never mentioned anyone by name. I didn't mean it. I'm a veteran coach. <laughs> I tell every young coach in the business, show class when you win, show class when you lose, give the other teams credit. I've been really frustrated this year for a lot of different reasons, but understand something. I recruited this man. He's talking about Jordan Dingle. I recruited this man. He's talking about RJ Lewis. My staff did not recruit these guys. It was all me. It was all me. 
And I'm really, yes. really proud to have them. I totally apologize to them for doing that. I wasn't ripping them. That wasn't my intent, but words matter. My family and my players outside of breathing air, they're the most important thing in my life. Mm. Words Rick matter. Back Rick on Pitino. Top. Yeah, back on top. Uh, <laughs> I love the I breathing saw, air hyperbole. It's great. <laughs> I, it's life to him. Uh, and it goes back to like the whole like kill himself uh, mantra that he has been putting <laughs> right. out it there. It is like, life and death. <laughs> it, is, it is literally life and death for Rick Pitino. Uh, I also saw he went on Fanta, John Fanta. Shout out to John Fanta. He's doing like this podcast, The Pitino Chronicles. Oh, yeah. Um, and Rick Pitino on The Pitino. I watched a clip. I'm not going to say I listened to the whole thing. I watched a clip on Twitter, as we all do. Um, and he, he was asked about NIL and he complains about it like at the start. And then he, and then he says this quote, he said, quote, we're no longer coaching amateurs. We're coaching professional basketball players. Some coaches are just nonstop whiners about this. I'm not going to complain about it. He literally, <laughs> it was plausible deniability. Masterful. It, it's masterful. It, it was so good that like I had to do a double take. I was like, wait a second. Didn't he start with a complaint? And then, <laughs> yes. and then he ended with, I'm not going to complain about it. So, uh, did he say we need a salary cap? And uh, Jim Cunningham working on the Rick Pitino Chronicles. Shout out. He is. Yeah, oh he's, my God. he's like, uh, I think he was doing some cut, cut some stuff together for them. So, yeah, let's I, I need to see what he cut together. I need to see the <laughs> files. <laughs> Share the sessions, Jim. Uh, let's see what it is. Uh, all right. Let's keep rolling. Shout out to Ken Palm. Ken Pomeroy. Uh, this has been a great week for him. Matt Norlander, who does great work. Matt Norlander came out and he said Ken Palm should be in the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. And it wasn't just Matt Norlander that said it. Jay Billis, uh, who is also the arbiter on what is more and what is good in college basketball came out and said, Matt Norlander nails it. Ken Palm should be in the Hall of Fame. So um, I'm trying to fight the good fight, but it sounds like the fight is over, Kyle. It sounds like he is going it's to coming be coming at a time when the Rutgers coach is calling him yes. out. And now, so now <laughs> his gang Steve, showed Steve up. Steve Michael has said, I want to beat this man up and or play him one-on-one, -on -one, which is a very outlook that I can respect. Uh, everyone else in the media says, Put this man in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Kim Palm does great work. We appreciate his work. Um, but we also, like, we we don't treat it as the Bible, um, which is a little bit different than everybody else. But, hey, shout out to Matt Norlander. Shout out to Jay Billis. Uh, shout out to Afro Man. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Kyle. What? Afro Man, the rapper, he was in the house at the Xavier game. Um, not sure what he was doing. Uh, some people said he was performing, I guess, later at Xavier. But, um just the fact that Afro Man was in the building, I thought that was a nice cultural uh, moment for for the podcast and uh, for the show in general. So, uh, Afro Man, shout out to you. Is that their school concert? You think? Like, you think that's I, I all think they have? Was, I think he was probably just going to a fraternity. You know what I mean? Oh, like, okay. you just like they just like they went on. This is what we used to do. You just go on the site. Like we had the Ying Yang Twins one time. You just went on the site, and they were just like, "If you pay nine hundred dollars, the Ying Yang Twins will come on oh whatever God. date." We had them for Halloween. It was awesome. Oh, Potsdam um, could only afford sweatpants, Joe Budden, and this was like before <laughs> the Joe Budden podcast. Pump, I think so. Pump, uh, pump it up. That was it, and like a bunch of other stuff we didn't know. Yeah, exactly. That's you just wanted to keep playing "Pump It Up." Yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, all the Ying Yang Twins did was play "Bojangles" the remix over oh, and over. Really? We were like, we, we're like, "You guys have other hits." They're like, "Nah, we're just playing Bojangles." Um, shout out to them. Uh, shout out to Mike Conley, by the way. He was at the uh, Ohio State Minnesota game at the barn. Um, that was great to see Mike Conley supporting Ohio State. Ohio State, a little bit of a letdown game after the Purdue upset. They lose at Minnesota, but Mike Conley Jr., one of the good guys out there, and at the game. Um, shout out to George Mason, George Mason with a win over Dayton. Um, Mason went on a 19 0 run in the second half. It was the Patriots first home win over a ranked opponent in program history. Holy uh, shit. Tony 
Yeah, Tony Skin, who was on the 06 George Mason team that went to the Final Four and now the head coach. So his uh, his first year there and a big win. Um, there was also uh, someone took a, I think it was uh, David Jablonski, who's a Dayton guy. He took a picture at the George Mason game, Kyle. I don't know if you saw this. They have a $32 double mixed cocktail at the game. And uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, would you pay $32 for a mixed drink? Um, so it's a double seems, drink. If we're, if we're factoring in stadium prices. Right. Um, I think it's I right. Gotta but, say, but it's <laughs> I think that's correct. I think yeah. that's correct. I think that's. I think it's correct, but I don't think it's correct. You know what I mean? Like, I, I based on what we've seen at stadiums, it is like it, it, the math is mathing. But like, when do we take a stand as a culture and say this is too far? Thirty-two dollars for one drink. I don't care. Like, and I need to see the double. I need to see the poured out yeah. exactly as it should be. But uh, I think if you want, if you want to drink double time, if you want to get as drunk as you can as fast as you can. <laughs> At a student, you know, at a student college game, then uh, yeah, I think you should have to pay a little more. Yeah, I think you should have to pay a little more. Okay, I like it. Uh, Boo Booey, shout out to Boo Booey. He's the oh, all nice. time, yeah, all time leading scorer. Too. You had him, nice. Yeah. Uh, all time leading scorer in Northwestern basketball history, passing John Scherner. If you don't remember John Scherner, this guy was a bucket. And he literally was like knockoff John Shire. It was like if, if you got like Russell Athletic shorts instead of Nike shorts, it was John Sherna at Northwestern. So um, I feel like a lot of people didn't watch John Sherna play, but go watch the highlights. I mean, it literally was like a spitting image of uh, of John Shire. It was like the B version of John Shire, but the guy could get buckets. Maybe he was better than John Shire, but I don't think he was. John Shire was just a Duke, but uh, John Shire could have been John Sherna in a different life. But um, shout out to him. I love to see the credit. And now Boo Booey is the leading scorer of Northwestern. His half brother, Taylor Battle, is the leading scorer at Penn State. So when have we ever seen siblings both be the leading scorers in program history? So that is a, a good basketball family. Shout out to Boo Booey. Um, shout out to Shaka Smart. Marquette earns its first 100-point game of the Shaka Smart era. Um, first one since December 28, 2019 against Central Arkansas. Tyler Kolick also in this game against DePaul. He poor had, DePaul. Uh, yeah, God. poor DePaul. Good God. Uh, he was the only D1 player in the last 25 years with 18 assists in under 27 minutes. And uh, Tyler Kolick, kind of a, a nice bounce back game after um, you know, the UConn performance. And then Dickie V came out and said his All-American backcourt, he already decided it's Tyler Kolick of Marquette and R.J. Davis of North Carolina. So Dickie V uh, putting in his uh, his first-team ballot backcourt, so we love to see that. Um, the NCAA, a lot of people were asking them to put in um, some litigation, um, you know, some sort of uh, response to the NIL Wild Wild West that we've been seeing. And the NCAA has decided to do something, Kyle, they have banned schools from decorating prospects' hotel rooms on official visits. Uh, this is what this is what they have decided to to, to work on. So, um, okay, kudos kudos to them. They they're right on top of it. Really right doing when the hard we needed work. them. Yeah, really doing we needed the them work. to do something. Rick Pitino is begging them to do something, and they said, "You know what? Stop decorating these damn hotel rooms. You guys no salary caps, but we are gonna we are gonna change the decor." Yeah, Jay Billis wants contracts. The NCAA <laughs> wants you to stop decorating. They want you to stop going to Party City um, and stop printing out things from Staples <laughs> and Office Depot. So um, shout out to them. Shout out to Zach Eady. Scored 25 points on just eight shots. Um, he is the first high major player to score at least 25 points, uh, you know, basically averaging three points per shot. So uh, 
That is ridiculous. Which is because I mean, of free throws? What was this? Because of been, free right? throws. He wasn't taking yeah. threes out there, right? I mean, well, and, and when you get fouled on a, on a shot that is a foul shot, it doesn't count as a, right. as a FGA. So that that's how he kind of finessed the numbers there. But uh, Zach Eady, I, I think that's impressive. So shout out to him. Uh, shout out to Tarleton State. They outscored Grand Canyon. Pour one out for Harry's Grand Canyon team. Grand Canyon, uh, they had Tarleton State going to 16-1 to uh, fast break points in the second half. Um, and uh, Barnes in the second half was incredible. Scored 12 of his 22 points at the free throw line. And Billy Gillespie, if you know the name, former coach of Kentucky, um, had a very uh, tough exit from Kentucky, but now at Tarleton State. And uh, he said, everybody, quote, everybody loves a comeback story. So Billy Gillespie, a great comeback story there at Tarleton State, a big win for them. Um, and GCU, that's a tough loss. Uh, shout out to five-star Derek Queen. Maryland is going to get him. He committed to Maryland. Queen is the 12th-ranked player in the 24 class. Kevin Willard uh, was very fired up about this. He put out a very insane gif, a Terrapin gif, that looks like it's from the new Ninja uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I, I've never seen anything like it, but I guess that's what Maryland does to celebrate a recruit. They also changed the whole social media account to a crown. Um, so Derek Queen, no pressure, but you, <laughs> you have been chosen as the savior of Maryland basketball, uh, and, and we'll see what happens with that. Um, speaking of saviors, Nike is launching an exclusive line of apparel in collaboration with Memphis Athletics and Penny cool. Hardaway's One Cent brand. Um, they are launching a, a nice little apparel, uh, you know, one cent apparel that's going to be sold at the Memphis bookstore. So if you're in Memphis, if you know Chris, please Vernon, send me and, something. Yes, we need something. We need something from Penny that Hardaway. Like it's going to be cool. That is cool. I like it. Uh, shout out to Western Carolina. We don't give the Catamounts too much love on the show, but um, the Catamounts had the Nuggets and the Clippers there uh, to check out the to check out their game against UNCG, uh, which is it is not an easy place to get to out there in Western Carolina. Um, it's also a place where, you know, they have some talent. They have some NBA talent. So I just wanted to flag Western Carolina. Watch out for them. Um, the Bruins play USC this weekend, Saturday night. It's a blue out at Pauley Pavilion. So that's going to be a big game in Los Angeles. You and I will be locked in on that. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets, they won in Utah for the first time since 2006, which makes me ask you the question, Kyle, what were you doing in 2006? I think I was in in-school suspension probably. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was 13. I was trying. I was like, man, that is insane. Like, and I and I was like looking at movies back in 2006. I mean, it was quite a time. But that was the last time the Charlotte Hornets won in Utah. So uh, that that kind of broke my brain. Uh, a couple news stories. I've been watching the local news, KTLA. Shout out to Love KTLA. They, they are hilarious. They have it's the complete crazy mess. stories. It's a complete, it's a complete mess. <laughs> but it, you learn so much, honestly. One thing I learned uh, yesterday: China has sent two pandas to the San Diego Zoo as an act of quote panda diplomacy uh, towards the U.S. So um, pandering, I don't know, if you ask me. I, that is pandering, right? That is. I don't know what it is, but I am kind of excited. I'm not a San Diego Zoo guy. I'm not really a zoo guy in general, but uh, I I feel like the, the pandas looked awesome. Like the I don't know if these are the footage of the pandas, but like they were showing the footage of these two pandas and like the reaction from the KTLA crew. They're like, oh my god, they, they look like they're so excited <laughs> to go to America. Um, so shout out to China for trying to have some diplomacy, I guess. And then the last one, last story from the news. The Southern accent is fading away in North Carolina research finds. Uh, this is a big one in WRL uh, territory, but apparently the Southern accent is fading away. 45% of the state of North Carolina is transplants. Uh, all these people are trying to come and take our resources, Kyle. And not only are they taking our resources, they're taking away our special Southern accent. Um, 
I, I know my mom and dad and family, they're, they're very upset about this, uh, this trend that is happening. So I just wanted to flag for everybody out there. We're going to be back in North Carolina in a couple of weeks. We'll do our own little uh, deep dive to see what's going on there. But uh, the Southern accent fading away. Hate to now, see Now, I it. feel like you've said, and uh, you, uh, among others, have said, like, that's not a Southern accent. That's a bit like, what is that, Appalachian? I, like, I don't know what it is. But, like, you hear a Southern accent. It's not like, it's not what I think. When I think about, I mean, mm. there's definitely a twang or a draw or whatever, whatever you call it in your part of the world. But like, I don't know. It's not like a like you go to Ole Miss or something like that. It's like, you know, yeah, Oxford, there, Mississippi. It's like, oh, that's different. different. That's different. It's definitely different. Yeah. Uh, Deep so, South is different. Savannah's different. I mean, there, yes. there's like there's variations of the accent. And you can tell when someone's hamming it up. Anytime you hear an accent, typically on TV or a movie, you're like, that's terrible. And that, I'm, almo- <laughs> right. I'm almost offended uh, that you even tried that. But. I would say the North Carolina accent is like saying less. You know what I mean? Like just yes. mumbling. Like Perfect. when I'm around my family, like, uh, you know, my girlfriend's from Seattle and she's like, what did you just say? But like everyone in my family heard me loud and clear, you know, right. but it's just like the words kind of fall out of your mouth. Uh, you don't really enunciate the words. And that's like why it was kind of easy for me to put on the broadcaster voice because it was like, oh, I just need to enunciate and make sure people hear what the hell I'm talking about as, as best as possible. But Typically, it's like you say less, you move your mouth less, the words kind of fall out of your mouth, and then people are like, I know what he's talking about. You know, I'm, ex- I'm excited it. to try to hear everything that you and your plan are saying <laughs> to me. This will be great. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Uh, we're very excited. Uh, Derek Thompson, I saw this. He's moving uh, He's moving to North Carolina for a year. So I mean, a goddamn to... match made in heaven. It's like, right. uh, we'll, we'll bring you guys. I listen to both of them. I'm on this podcast, but uh, I, I may never miss an episode of Plain English. And uh, he's moving like to like the, uh, the only thing is if he's moving to Henderson, I was like, great. He knows even more. But I feel like you you could. You no, could we got him. The... We don't we don't need him. Move. I mean, I love shout out to my hometown, but I, I would not advise him <laughs> to move to Henderson. Don't embarrass that would not me. Be, right? Don't yeah, embarrass yeah, me. That would not be that would not be the move. But yeah, Chapel Hill, Durham, there's there's great stuff happening in the Triangle. I saw some people reaching out to him, telling him to go to Durham Bulls games. I fuck, I mean, I love the Durham Bulls. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, just, I love the Durham Bulls. Uh, he's he's going to have a great time in Durham. We'll, we got to figure it out. Maybe we have like a little like uh, a little home and home. Like uh, I'll give him five minutes, five good minutes on North Carolina, what he should do. If you are a North Carolinian and you live there and you, you feel like you have some things that he should do, reach out to us and reach out to him on Twitter. Definitely. So, uh, Good North Carolina news. Did you did you have any shout outs? Did you have any? I got a couple shout outs. I'll keep yeah, it quick. Please. Um, I just wanted to say on the brawl that you discussed, um, mm. you didn't really name the two names, which I don't know if that's maybe they're just that kids. Pur- Are you that doing that thing? Like I was like, I, I feel like I'm not going to give them like. Uh, you well, know I am. I mean? Like I am. Okay. So okay. Uh, this was between I, I like uh, Texas A&M <laughs> Commerce and yeah, Incarnate right. Word, which I can only assume is a Christian school. Not very Christian to start a brawl on the handshake line, but I can't. No. I, I wish you you couldn't see who started the brawl. It would have been a little bad funnier. Camera if it, work. I think that was the other part of this. Yeah. Really bad camera work. It would have been a little funnier if it was the Christian kids that started the brawl. But who's to say? I guess it all mm. it all it all got lost in the scuffle. No pun intended. Mm. But the one thing I wanted to say: this took a full sixty seconds, depending on the if there were camera cuts or not. This was a <laughs> sixty second brawl, which you know sometimes usually they're thirty seconds. It gets a little like you know pushy and shovey, but no one could get this thing under control. So yeah, um, I just wanted to say it's a, it was at least sixty seconds. I counted, but there was a cut towards the end, so it could have been two minutes. Who knows? So uh, maybe they just cut out some of the stuff they didn't want us to see. Let's but, be uh, honest: thirty seconds into a brawl. 
you're everyone's tired. tired. Everyone's yeah, tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that that's the problem with brawls. You know what I mean? And like you never know when you're you're gonna like be in the line of fire. You know what I mean? Like you you're like if you're trying to de-escalate the situation, you're always like one like hit from behind to like now you're in a fight. You know what I mean? Yes. So <laughs> the assistant the, coaches are like getting the bench guys up. You guys go help. I can't do this yeah, shit anymore. Right. <laughs> I feel like more fights started in that brawl because like there were people trying to break it up and then they got hit and they're like, <laughs> they oh, couldn't no, get out. No, right? no, no, <laughs> no, I'm swinging. <laughs> okay, so the, just shout out to that. Just wanted to give that its due. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> shout out to everyone who participated in at least a minute long fight. I hope you guys are all okay. Um, here's here's one. I mean, I know granted people are gonna say it's a um, it's what's it called? It's it's All Star Week. There's a break. Blah blah blah. Uh, college basketball uh, leads uh, in all the groups for TV watch time. They were number uh, one with SVU and golf in the top three or whatever. But you oh. could say, but you could say uh, NBA, you could say, oh, they were off, but they went, they were at 17 from like 12. They weren't even in the, in our, in our echelon here. So college basketball. Oh my God. Squarely in the lead of the TV ratings. With I'm going to be honest with you. Like, of the people. I think I am. I think I'm Nielsen. You're all. You're I mean, all. Those I, 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 I am golf, SVU, and college basketball. Like I, I think I'm setting the. T- like they that sounds like a great night my, to me. Yeah, they marked my TV. Like I, I am that guy. Shout out to yeah. Ice T. Got nominated for like a People's Choice Award this year for his work on <laughs> SVU. Great. Everybody did. Uh, you know that's great. Uh, <laughs> let's just say, Jay, did you see Jay Williams addressing his message? I, I have, tr- can I say this? This is a nice little scoop. I am trying to get in touch with Jay Williams for the live show. <laughs> okay. I, I want Jay Williams to do a video. Um, At least I a want video. Jay Billis or is Jay Williams or both. <laughs> can yeah, we just pay for I, it? I, I, I've thought about the cameo approach. I'm sure he is on cameo. It would be I, less, it would be less genuine. It's less genuine. And I feel like I, I'm trying to get Jay's. Because I, I want Jay to break the fourth wall and just be like, he knows, you know, because I know that he knows. Like Jay someone said this the other day to me they were like jj reddick and jay williams jason williams when he played it's like jason williams like even if you were a carolina fan you're like damn like i want to hate this guy but damn do i respect the way he plays the game of basketball and when you watch jj you're like i can't hate anything more than this thing you know what i mean like this is the most hateable human i've ever seen play basketball he is such a little douche my God. <laughs> and now fast forward 20 years and it's like they JJ <laughs> JJ's like the most likable media member. And Jay Williams is like trying to incite violence by saying Caitlin Clark's not great. <laughs> and I just don't know what is going on there. Um, so Jay Williams, I know that, you know, so like, let's just, let's just admit it. You know what I mean? Like, let's well, just admit that, you know. Jay had a little Tate in uh, in Indiana when you famously told the dudes, I'll fuck you up, bring us to the court right now. And this is what he Whoa. says. He goes, when we're talking about greatness, I'm talking about championships. You think about it differently, fine. But the only thing I'm going to say to all you keyboard courageous people that want to call me a bum or try to make fun of my career, none of y'all could hold me. None of y'all, 90% of y'all didn't even pick up a basketball. So that's basically saying, I'll fuck you up right now. <laughs> hey, and I'm going to say this, Jay Williams, you're right. And I'm on your side. I think, <laughs> I think he needed to say that. Um, I, I, I just honestly, like, I just don't understand why he had to say what he said about Caitlin Clark. Like, what is the end game? Like, did he think after he said that people are gonna be like, you know what, Jay, great point. She's not great. Let's stop all the coverage. <laughs> yeah. Like, come yeah. on, like, just think about it. There's gotta be um, a way to, if you really don't want to tap your chest, there's gotta be a way to say nothing instead of be like doubling down or, I don't know if it was a double down, but it was just so you know, like <laughs> you're dumb and I'm not, I don't know. It's, but uh, and, whatever. And I thought you, that was a little tatish for me. I liked it. If you've never watched Jay Williams play at Duke, you should go watch highlights. The guy was incredible. And it's not even Jay Williams. Jay Williams is different. Jason Williams 
of Duke is one of the best basketball players I've ever seen. And I hate that he had to change his name, but it's very Duke. You know what I mean? Like they can't like one day they say Mike Dunleavy. One day they say Mike Dunleavy. One day they say Trevon Duval. One next day they say Trevon Duval. One day they say Paolo Bancara. One day they say Paolo Banchero. I mean, this is what the Duke people do. They like to change their names. I don't know why, but uh, Jay Williams... I think I have his back, but also like I need him to admit to me that he knows what he's doing, and then I'll have his back. <laughs> okay, uh, here we go. First thing to happen first. I got one more before the uh, few games to watch. Um, you, I, you were saying uh, earlier to Eamon that you liked that the SEC is taking care of these sort of things that the, maybe the NCAA right. could have bungled. Um, they, they announced. I want to. I want to ask you how often this happens. They uh, find. LSU $100,000 to be paid to Kentucky for allowing their court to be stormed. Uh, how mm. often does that happen? And is it always that you pay to the storm me's like you, like if you're, if you're the court stormers, you pay, do you pay that fine to the team that got stormed? Like, that I don't feels understand. Like a, that feels like a course correction on what it, I think it used to probably just pay to the conference. And then okay. obviously they did the one-to-one. They're like, why are you guys just collecting cash from us? Like what the, what the hell is this? Where is it and going? They is were it, like, yeah. they're like, why don't we just, why don't we just play middleman here and just funnel the money to the program that actually got aggrieved? Um, who cares? Like, I, yeah, you'll pay a hundred thousand dollars for a Angel good court Reese store. On the court. Yeah, yeah totally. right. I mean, Angel Reese is on the court. Like, that's just a great moment in college basketball. Like, nobody should have gotten fined, but I'm sure Kentucky was like our safety was, you know, you know, under attack or whatever. So, yeah, I, I don't know how. I don't know if it's typically that way, but it feels like a very much like SEC, like. SEC, as much as I gripe about them, they do probably they run handle the their tightest ship. Huh? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. They handle their business. That's a great way to put it. Um, so Sankey knows what he's doing. All right. Love well, let me just it. breeze through these games real quick. I got Saturday. Um, there was a couple I left off. I didn't want to. I feel like I've been putting too many games. I've been putting some real stinkers on my list, mm. and you've been too mm. nice to tell me they suck. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> if I if I put the Rutgers hey, Purdue Ru- on the, Rutgers, on the thing last Rutgers Purdue <laughs> was a good game until like six minutes okay. in the first half. It was a good yeah, game at great. first. I, I was like, okay. Nice. Uh, so I got Houston Baylor on Saturday. Yes. Yes. Definitely yes. Alabama, ba- Kentucky. Baylor, Baylor, we need to like, as a collective group, we need to all to tune back in. You know what I mean? I tuned out Baylor, but I need to tune back in. So yes, Saturday is important for Baylor. Okay. And we got Alabama, Kentucky. Definite yes. Right. Mm-hmm. For several reasons. UNC, Virginia. I mean, we're talking the top of the conference here. Yeah. Even though I know. Uh, it's the ACC for all you guys, but I think that still matters, right? Virginia, UNC, yeah. they're like neck and neck oh, in the conference. It's going to be great. That's the yeah. South's oldest rivalry, so can't wait. Uh, but Butler, Seton Hall, I don't care if you care or not. I'm watching it. No, we um, care. That's good coaches. Thad versus uh, our, our guy Shaheen, so we'd love to see that. And then USC, UCLA, you already mentioned it. It just, just yeah. has to be watched, even if it's a total garbage game but who knows we love usc now so maybe that would, and you still love ucla you have room for both uh no, that's all i have both. that's all i have for saturday there's probably more but i didn't want to crowd it sunday <laughs> creighton st john's definitely yes definitely white out yes. white out my god I, I wish they had the white out early in the season and maybe they'll do that next year because i think that mm-hmm. would be a turning of the tide of sorts well he uh, thought this is going to be like the game where like they send this a was message, his coronation like, right? yeah yeah he's like we're a top four seed <laughs> Oh, uh, if only uh, FAU Memphis. Both of these coaches are not as hot as they were, but they both deserve to be as hot as we think they are. Right. So, right. That's yeah. good. And, and Penny, Penny's like having an existential crisis. Like on, I follow him on Instagram. Like when Penny's putting like, uh, oh yeah, like he did Bible a really verses. candid interview. 
Yeah, yeah. He's like, I hate losing. Like, I'm, I'm over it. <laughs> He's cursing and shit. It was great, right? So and then what was that thing? Game. Did you, did you post that or did I just see that? Where he's like, the weapons have been formed. It's like no weapons yes. shall be prosper that are formed against yeah. me or something. I, like, the weapons I, have been. God I got was on me his Instagram. I was, yeah. yeah. God got, got him always. So, uh, Penny, we got your back. Um, <laughs> Can't wait so to try God. your merch. Um, right. gonna be good. Ohio State, Michigan State. I mean just have to do that right i mean that's just really a troy one i know you don't care but that's a troy one that that's like the same as baylor like we need a michigan state like where is michigan state right now as we as we creep up on march right let's just remember one thing about your season um yeah and then here's some i put question marks next to these two also xavier marquette i did put that in there i think xavier xavier could be good or bad on any night but um whatever i like watching marquette i got purdue michigan question mark Purdue, Michigan is just like a, a test case of like how far can Jawan Howard fall, you know what <laughs> right. I mean, in real time and where, where no one cares. I, I guess like the administration has already said he's going to be back next year. So like the, the, they're already done worrying about if he's going to get fired or not. But I still think there's a chance if it continues to get this bad. And Purdue's the perfect kind of discipline team to just absolutely route them. So, yeah, that, that would be worth watching for the Jawan aspect of it. But, but outside uh, of that, should probably handle not. business. And then I have, yeah. I have Maryland Rutgers question mark. I don't know. I think Rutgers is more like we're looking towards next year. And Maryland, yeah. I feel like I saw some things about Maryland. I don't know. I don't think it was just because their <laughs> longtime coach died. I don't think that was it. But uh, no, they they have uh, Maryland has turned fully to next year. Okay. Uh, just based so on they're the both, these Queen. are both full next year teams. Then. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone is excited about the 2024 recruiting class in this game. So there's going to be a lot of ace Bailey. <laughs> Dylan Harper, Derek Queen talk. So that'll be good. And then uh, you can, if you got extra time on Sunday, Mayor St. Peter's and that's it. I'm out Ooh. of <laughs> Yes. You know, yes. St. Peter's, don't forget. Shout out to St. Peter's. Shout out to Maris, by the way. Uh, our guy, Derek Phelps, one of the assistant coaches there, reached out to me on LinkedIn and said he appreciated the love. So we're get, we're giving them uh, more. We're giving the Red Foxes the coverage that they need. And uh, hopefully you can go watch some Rick Smith's highlights to get yourself locked in on who Maris is as a program. So he's the original seven foot four God. Um, he was the original Zach Eady, but way more fluid of an athlete. But uh, that's no shots at Zach Eady. That's just. Rick Smith's. That's just Rick Smith's love. That's what we do on the show. Um, Kyle, you're good, right? We, we got all the headlines. We got all the shout outs. We got all the games. I got so everything. Uh, I got, yeah, everything. We got everything. We got Kyle Mann back on Monday. So that'll be a fun show. We're getting closer and closer to March. Um, Guess who got his media my- credentials? Your oh boy. yeah, that's right. You got you got media credentials. We're we're we got a place to stay at the Final Four. Like the second live show. It is awesome. And, it is an awesome place. I can't believe that they that it, it all worked out. It's going to be great. <laughs> shout out to Alexa uh, for helping set all, all that up. Uh, shout out to my brother Gil. It's his birthday tomorrow. Uh, hey. Happy birthday! Yeah, we'd love to see that February twenty fourth. Um, hopefully, North Carolina can get him a win for his birthday. But uh, if not, we'll still celebrate. And uh, yeah, we're getting closer to March. So appreciate everybody tuning in. This is One Shining Podcast, and we will see you on Monday.
Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit CCP org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 